0: Fear drives the universe. You will find dread among the galaxies. You will find horror in the heart of a star. You will find your fate in a heap of dust. welcome you once again to Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. I'm Ethan Maestri. And
1: I'm Ryan Mazaka.
0: Each week we take an episode of Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda and we take a look at it, breaking it down, analyzing it for the things that we enjoy in each episode. This week we're taking a look at Waking the Tyrant's Device. <laughs> waking the Tyrant's Device. Don't, don't you think that's pretty appropriate, Ryan?
1: well you I mean i don't see how
0: well waking is right there in the title and you know if you look at the dates from the last episode of this one it's it's been a little while and you know waking we're we're waking back to the show again it seemed i thought appropriate
1: you mean our you mean our podcast
0: yeah yeah
1: okay yeah i that's not really a very evergreen comment for this type of a a podcast um especially in this time of pandemic that we're in.
0: You're such a tyrant. Anyway, waking the tyrant's device is the episode we're discussing this week. Ryan, how are you doing? I'll just ask that right quick, since we've already broke the uh, broke the ice on the the fact that we it's been a little while.
1: Yes, um, Ethan, I am rolling.
0: <laughs> rolling? Yeah. Yeah. In?
1: It's it's just one of my favorite Doc Holiday expressions.
0: I see. I see. Yeah.
1: He and, and uh, Wyatt hadn't seen each other in a long time. Wyatt, I am rolled.
0: <laughs> it feels like we uh. haven't seen each other in a while. So, yeah. uh, and, and just to let the audience know, we are recording this on Zoom. So if the audio quality is a little different than what you've been used to on Drive Back the Night, that, that is why. And I'm yeah. sure for most of you, you, you understand why this is the case. And but, it's so
1: much better, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but here we are. So moving on. With the episode, Waking the Tyrant's Device. How about, Ryan, I give you a break Mm -hmm. here for just a second while you collect your notes for summary. Why don't you let me do some trivia? What do you think? I have the summary? Yes, you do.
1: Okay, take your time with the trivia. I'm going to go write the summary.
0: Okay. Well, I've got a little bit of trivia, so you have a little bit of time. All right. Trivia for Waking the Tyrant's Device It is written by Paul and Larry Barber. Now, we did discuss these two's CV on the previous episode, Pieces of Eight, so go back and listen to that one if you've already forgotten. The episode was directed by Andrew Potter. Now, Andrew Potter Potter begins his career in television production as a camera assistant, but by the late 1990s, he was a camera operator for the series Earth Final Conflict. Now, working on the set of Earth Final Conflict, he would get his first chance at directing an episode, and he would go on to direct 11 episodes of that series until its conclusion. This is the first and only episode that we have uh, directed by Andrew Potter here in the Andromeda series. Now, he'll go on from here and direct more episodes of shows like Mutant X, Wildcard, and Aaron Stone. On to our guest stars, Nicholas Lee plays Trilorn that we see in hologram form. Nicholas is an actor and producer that has been in a lot of television and film since the late 1980s. But you might recognize him, Ryan, speaking to you from an early 90s show that he played a recurring role in, that of Ricky Caruso in The Commish.
1: Oh, I was going to say Family Matters. <laughs>
0: He would also he would go on to appear in thirty three episodes of The Commish. He also had memorable roles as Alex Krycek in twenty three episodes of The X Files. He was Frank Callahan in NYPD Blue. He was Agent Gardner or is it Gardener or Gardner? I'm gonna say Agent Gardner on the uh, Continuum series. He was Mark Francis in the Arrow series, and he's still active in television and film today. Now, Neil Maffin, he plays Croton. He began also in the 1980s in a little-known soap opera named As the World Turns. You might have heard of it. He would go on to appear in genre television in shows like Star Trek Voyager and Stargate Atlantis. And he also appeared alongside Antonio Banderas in the 1999 film The 13th Warrior. Finally, we have the return of Kristen Lehman as Molly Noguchi. Now, since we last talked about Kristen in the episode Lava and Rockets, she has been busy. Uh, Let me retract that. She has been very busy in television. Just to name a few of the episodes or a few of the shows that she has appeared in since we last talked about her uh, probably close to three years ago now. She's appeared in Saving Hope, Rogue, Ghost Wars, Netflix's Altered Carbon, and The Good Doctor, and that's just to name a few. And that is all the trivia that I have for Lava and Rockets Part Two. Wait, I mean, Waking the Tyrant's Device. Ryan, are you ready to give us a summary?
1: Uh, on, let me just
0: put put the finishing touches on that.
1: E-M. All right,
0: <laughs> he's ready, folks. Ryan, why don't you go ahead and give us the summary to Waking
1: the Tyrant's Device? Here we go. The Andromeda is testing out some new systems from a long-awaited, much-needed retrofit. The, they dump out of slipstream near the small moon, Septahorisis. Almost immediately, they are detected and attacked by a drone, while a gravity field generator from the surface starts pulling them out of orbit and toward the moon's surface. Though with Andromeda's power, it'll take somewhere around 11 hours, so they've got some time to fix this. A few things of note on this moon. Wreckage and debris from thousands of crashed ships and what appears to be a point singularity projector, just like the one they encountered on the Magog world ship. So this thing dragging them down is being powered by a generator far beneath the surface. But because of the energy drain it's putting on Andromeda, they have to destroy both targets simultaneously. Down to the surface they go in the Maru, that is, everyone not named Trance, who stays on board for this mission. But before they go down, Dylan wants a little intel on the situation here. But instead, all he gets is a pre-programmed hollow communique from Trilorn of the Commonwealth. He informs Dylan that the moon was created by a half-human, half-android known as the Great Engineer Croton, the rumored designer of the Magog world ship. On their way to the surface, they detect Commonwealth distress signal and land nearby. As they begin their search for survivors, they are fired upon. Dylan disarms and identifies the lone assailant. It's Molly from Season 2's Lava and Rockets. Now Lieutenant, she crashed her crew of seven on this moon and is the lone survivor. They are attacked, but after making retreat back to the Maru, it is trapped by the power drain as well. But Harper made a few modifications to the ship during the retrofit, including a detachable cockpit and using Rami as an independent power source is able to separate from the Maru and fly to safety. Dylan and Molly break off to go place remote explosives at the surface generator, while the rest of the crew, less trance, make their way to the power drain device underground. They use a pulse laser and anti-protons to cut through the moon until they reach a hollow and find what appears to be a Magog worldship contained within the moon before getting their explosives set. Dylan and Molly have a bit of a harder time as they have to fight with waves of Croton clone androids as well as destroy an entire army of androids before making their way to the generator and placing the explosives. After a brief but violent exchange with the real Croton, who we now see is clearly being controlled by the Abyss, Dylan and Molly make their way back to the shuttle where Dylan gives the order to detonate destroying both targets and releasing both the Maru and the Andromeda from the moon's grip, and restoring power. But as the crew returns to the Andromeda, the moon splits in half, revealing the world ship, as Croton tries to make his escape. Dylan orders Rami to open five slipstream portals, only one of which will be real. Croton picks the wrong one, and the world ship is destroyed while the Andromeda rides out the shockwave. But an escape pod, presumably with Croton on board, escapes the world ship and makes its way to safety through the correct portal. Dylan offers Molly a spot among Andromeda's crew. And she declines. The end.
0: Very good, Ryan. Very good. I think there should have been a spin-off series uh, from Andromeda. Okay. And I, I, I want to title it like the old uh nineteen thirties serials. And this one would have been called Captain Croton and the World Ship of Tomorrow. What do you think?
1: <laughs> That's not bad.
0: Not a bad idea? I like yeah. it.
1: I like it. Yeah. It's, it's got some it's, pretty good. it's got some panache to it, I think. hmm Yeah. Um so I don't mean to, you know, display my one upmanship on you here, but uh, I was giggling during your trivia because I just thought of this, and I was writing it down while you were spewing facts. Oh, not the Uh, summary? Huh?
0: Not the summary. You were actually taking notes.
1: Oh, yeah, that was just a bit. I actually prepared that (laughs) well in advance. Okay. I was was actually thinking of jokes. Right. (laughs) Yes, as one Uh, does, yes. Yeah, so, you know, we had a recurring theme uh, throughout this whole episode, and I think really I know what they should have used to take care of the whole problem. And that is? (laughs) Anti-Crotons.
0: Oh, okay. Well, here we go. I'm going to one-up your one-up. All right. Let's do this. All right. And see how far we can take this. (laughs) Crotons? uh, They work as a villain, but I prefer them on my Caesar salad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm out. Okay. Yeah, that's good, because me too. I guess you win. <laughs> <laughs> if only I had more time. Yeah, right. The trivia should have been longer. Hey, do you remember the time when uh, when Dylan deactivated or actually blew up the uh, automated defense system?
0: I have no idea what you're talking about. No, of course I remember Yeah, when he's done that. That was,
1: that was really cool how he did that.
0: Yeah. Um, how did he how do did that? How did he do that? It, <laughs> did he? Did he throw a plate?
1: It, yeah, he threw it. It bounced off a barrel and hit the screen, and it blows up.
0: Yeah. It,
1: so, I, I, I'm a little. So, you, yeah, you didn't get that either.
0: No. Okay. And I'm thinking everybody with a uh, a burglar alarm should be scared right now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you just got to throw a floppy disk, at yeah. Just you know.
0: <laughs> As long as you hit the control panel, it, it goes dead, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Because <laughs> that's how things work in this universe. Okay. Uh, so we have another unexplained slipstream event uh, taking place at the beginning of the episode, right?
1: Hold on, wait a minute. Here, I'm the one that brings up slipstream problems, and mm-hmm. then you're the one that gripes about it.
0: Not this time. Okay. Au contraire, mon frere.
1: Well, well, let's see what you got.
0: Well, I don't really have much other than... Um, Lucky that it dropped them out right where our next adventure begins. I, I think that pretty much explains how this universe works. You throw yeah. a plate and it takes out the automated defense systems. When you have a slipstream problem, where you drop out is where you need to be for your next adventure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, that was quite fortuitous, wasn't
0: it? It was. I thought it so. seems
1: like uh usually we kind of have these things where it drops you out somewhere and then that's where you have your next adventure because that's where you happen to be, right? Yeah. But he was specifically sent here. It, it, yes, yes. <laughs> that, that's where he's supposed to be well, if they're accidentally there.
0: Right, they're accidentally there, but by the end of the episode, you're led to believe this is exactly where he needed was intended to be.
1: Well, I mean, even at the beginning of the episode, Trilorn has his little monologue, whatever, about how... Uh, yeah, we yeah. need you to go to this place and do this thing. Did, and is not isn't they,
0: isn't it lucky that they just d- dumped out right there.
1: Yeah, so that brings up some questions then, doesn't it? Are they able to to bug Andromeda's navigational systems? I think was this part of the
0: retrofit? I think this was exactly Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're did onto something there. Something out I here? think we just did.
1: This was the retrofit. The retrofit was a cover. Yes. So they could bug the nav so they could system.
0: Plug in the numbers and uncontrollably well, at least to the crew it seemed uncontrol seemed like an uncontrolled situation, and it just dumped them out right at the coordinates where they needed to be at.
1: Okay. So we have a
0: Okay, yeah, oh, you maybe you're going there, but Slipstream is navigated by the pilot, right? It's based on their intuition and their decision. If Becca doesn't know where they're going and why they're going there, then how do they get to where they need to be?
1: Well, because they have the map now.
0: Mm, which, we, which was not mentioned at all in this episode, but okay.
1: No, it's just assumed. It's understood now. We can map slipstream. <laughs> so from here on out... <laughs> okay. Yeah. We right? can just, you know, yeah. This is Machines the... can navigate slipstream, except at the end of this episode... They can't. they can't. They <laughs> can't.
0: Okay, i th- I think we've really stumbled onto something that we might talk about a bit more at the end of this episode. So, okay, what, what do you say we just move on? I yeah. do want to point out.
1: We probably won't, but yeah,
0: I, yeah. I do want to point out a new look for Slipstream. Did you notice that? Yeah. What do you? I, I wh- thought what that do you was think? just
1: the new Slipstream. The, the the, <laughs> it's it's
0: the new and and wholly mapped Slipstream, right? Uh huh. Yeah, new and improved, right?
1: So Harper asks an interesting question in this episode, and I think I have the answer. Oh what is that? You remember the mirrors? Yes. Okay, the deadly mirrors. Yeah. Um So he asks about the mirrors, where does he get this stuff? I think the answer is Archimedes. So Ryan, we're when we're down on uh
0: Septus paresis, which mm-hmm. doesn't that sound like a disease?
1: Yeah, it really does. It does. <laughs> is, that, is that the thing that you get underneath your feet, your toenails? Yeah, se- yeah, yeah,
0: septisparisis. <laughs> it's a fungal infection, I think, uh-huh. or bacterial infection. Yeah, yeah, no nasty doubt, stuff. nasty stuff. Um, but when we're down on that planet, I, I just want to comment on the fact that the Eureka Maru has never looked more at home than it did on a rust as a rust oh, yeah. bucket there on a planet of, of rust buckets.
1: <laughs> it was the bell of the ball. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It was indeed. It looked like it was right at home there on the
1: surface, yeah. practically camouflaged. Uh huh. It really did. Uh, hey, here's another situation where I think I may have just missed something. You know, we have at the beginning um, after the big scene where they have to, where they, they get attacked by the drone, and they're starting to put together their plan. Now Harper goes. He's in the machine room. He's working with the anti-proton rods. Becca's back there doing something on a panel. Meanwhile, they're talking about looking for this treasure. Uh, then Dylan says, okay, uh, after we complete this mission, then you can look for the treasure. Yeah. They take off running.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Just, I have a question. Okay. Where are they going? Because weren't they in the middle of something important? Um,
0: I do believe they were.
1: They were doing a job, right? Yeah. And then they just took off.
0: Yeah, they just took off running. <laughs> Well, I, I'm really not sure what was going on there.
1: Maybe they were, but they they still, they weren't finished. Were they, <laughs> were they finished and we just didn't see? I don't like, know. I would like to have some sort of closure, like, oh, I'm glad that's finished. Oh, hey, Dylan. You know? Yeah. Can, can we, it just feels like there was a job left half undone.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I don't even recall the scene that clearly enough to know if if they were supposed to do that thing there, or if they were saying we're going to go somewhere else, but yeah, they do just kind of exit the room very, very quickly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I wanted to be sure that I didn't miss something here. So I actually watched, I rewinded it and watched this scene again Mm -hmm. and no, sure enough, they're in the middle of working. Dylan talks to them and they go running off like a couple of kids running out to the playground. So,
0: so yeah, so they're physically doing what they have to do there on the bridge. They're on the bridge right there. Of the, of no, the,
1: they're in one of the, uh, the machine rooms. Oh, that's right, the, that's right. That's yeah. right. Harper's working with the proton rod. Exactly. Everything's proton in this <laughs> episode.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed it is. And Dylan says, is if there you a
1: do- shortage of regular protons? I we don't ever seem to see them.
0: Well, this is a different galaxy. It's the same, but it's a different galaxy. We don't
1: know what galaxy they're in in this episode. That's
0: true. We don't. Yeah. It's let's let's say galaxies. it's Triangulum. Let's say it's okay. Triangulum Galaxy. Yeah. And they only have
1: antiprotons? They only
0: have anti-protons in the Triangulum Galaxy.
1: That's a weird galaxy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's where the strangest stories take place.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I bet if so, we I tallied
0: mean, it, if we went back and tallied it in the episodes, I bet that's true.
1: Oh, man. What's the conversion rate on something like that? <laughs> so <laughs> Dylan says- Do have to go
0: there? Yeah so the Uh so dylan says uh the faster you get your job done the one that you're working on currently the faster you can go treasure hunting and their response is to run out of the room (laughs) that's what you're that's what you're telling us
1: yeah yeah and
0: and you're right yeah yeah that doesn't make a whole lot of sense okay you know what else didn't make sense to me what's that and i'm gonna ask this in the form of a question did Dylan just send Rami into blaster fire to save his own butt? Yeah.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: <laughs> and she did get hit, right? hmm
1: Yeah. And
0: yet, after all of that exchange of blaster fire or, or uh, weapons fire, was her wardrobe damaged? No. It was not. No. <laughs> so I ask
1: you, sir, how yeah. does that happen? <laughs> Um, it's regeneration, automatic regeneration. She doesn't actually wear clothes. It's part of her, uh, her skin. So
0: this is some sort of nanobot repair.
1: Yeah. Okay. Gotta
0: be. Gotta be. Gotta be. How does nanobots yeah. fix leather though? I really need to know that.
1: It's not really leather.
0: Cause I've got a jacket that it's could just, really benefit yeah. from that.
1: No. Moths they, got a hold
0: of it a few years ago and uh-huh. it's just been like sitting in my closet. That right. that would be really handy right now.
1: Well, see what you need is nanobots and you just don't have them. Yeah, we right just now. don't have them. See, it's not leather. It's biomimicry is what it is. I it's see. just nanobots holding hands <laughs> in the shape of leather molecules. In the shape of a leather patch. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, another thing about that scene is that she uh, she has a little bit of reluctance, doesn't she? When, when, when Dylan orders her to go out there yet, he seems pretty confident in her ability to not get hurt.
0: Yeah. But she does seem to react as if she's going to, I'm going to have to do her, endure a little
1: bit of pain here. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was for one thing, a little bit out of character of Rami. A little bit. Usually she's the first one to be like, Oh, Hey, let me go. Especially since she knows that she's not going to get hurt. Yeah. (laughs) Where, where was the reluctance? Where was this coming from? Excellent. I don't, I don't understand the apprehension here. Excellent
0: point, well made.
1: Okay. Yeah. Because I mean, then when she does, she acts. She just walks out there like she owns the planet.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I it that did that whole sequence did throw me for a little bit of a loop that Dylan could just callously say walk out there, you yeah. know, draw fire, <laughs> mm-hmm. and 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 yeah, that she would balk a little bit at it because that's been the exchange in times past is Dylan, I'm a warship, I've got yeah. this. And then now suddenly, oh, do I have to, you know, it it was just, yeah, it was a little, a little bit off putting.
1: Right. Well, and it wasn't just, oh, do I have to like, like go take out the trash. (laughs) It was like, I, this is bad. Yeah. I really don't want to do this because something bad's going to happen if I do. Like Um, what? Because this has never been an issue before. (laughs) Right. So both of those characters kind of seem to, that, the interaction didn't work because Dylan, for one thing, if he does think that there's going to be some danger to Rami, he's not going to be ready to just throw her out there into the danger. He's going to probably come up with another plan other than just, I mean, why is that the first option? Yeah. If this is dangerous for Rami, Mm -hmm. then let's think of another option first. He knows that it's not dangerous for her. Yeah. Right? Except the fact that she... Feels that is dangerous somehow. So, they they should have kind of an understanding here that they don't seem to be having in this particular scene. I I, I want I really want I ha, I have an answer. Okay. But
0: I want to save this answer for later. So if you'll allow me just a quick second. Yeah. I'm gonna put a pin in it okay. in the form of making a note. All right. For the for. And actually have a pin. Yes, and okay. an actual pin. And I'm going to put that right here. an ink pen. Here. I don't think
1: that's what that expression means.
0: <laughs> well, I'm using it as such. Okay. All right. So I now have my note. Okay. So we can come back to this.
1: Okay. So let's move on from that point, but I want to stay in the sea. Okay. Can we do that? Yep. So this is where we discover Molly. Oh boy. Molly is the one shooting at everybody. <laughs> yeah. She spent time on this ship. Did she not recognize Rami walking right at her? Well, she's changed her hair.
0: And outfit. Yeah, even so. (laughs) I don't know. I know, it's weak. It it
1: seems like she would have recognized somebody.
0: Yeah. Well, any time you have, let's say, a pretty distinct looking female form Uh walking toward you and not falling by the uh, the weapons fire that's obviously hitting her. Right. Maybe you take pause and say, huh, I may have encountered something like this before.
1: Could have, yeah. Of course, she's surrounded by androids, so.
0: That is true. Yeah. That is true. And that did make sense why when she encountered Dylan, she's like, Dylan Hunt? is <laughs> that really you? Yeah. Lay one okay. on me and I'll be able to tell for sure.
1: Okay, so they, that's what I thought. Maybe it was saying something about her character, but um, <laughs> uh,
0: you you've you've mentioned Molly, so when they uh, they meet her, uh, her and Dylan encounter each other, and then immediately we cut to the end of her telling her story of how she got there, right? Mm-hmm. And she finishes by, and I quote, uh, "I had to crash the best I could." And I'm wondering, isn't that how her and Dylan got in trouble the first time we met her? Yeah. Pretty much crashing as best she could. Mm-hmm. So how much has the Academy really taught her? Not much. Other than how to make bombs on the fly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I guess that's an important thing.
0: If you're going to be a soldier. Well, it worked out great here. Yeah. It, um, you know, I, I would like to know what they taught her for like diplomatic missions or, you know humanitarian missions i hope she got what she needed to know for those situations but Mm -hmm. you know she she worked out great this time
1: Mm -hmm. i want to talk about the android army real quick here yeah i do too okay um the only reason i want to talk about it is just because i want to show how well i'm just going to let my nerd show (laughs) Okay. okay yeah um they're they're really afraid of this army, and we're talking on a galactic scale. They're scared of this army. Yes. By my estimate, there weren't even 450 androids there. You could barely fill a cavern. Yeah. You know? I, I don't see really what the big threat is here. Yeah. What, what was it that took it out? A, a makeshift bomb with some goo in it.
0: A spent missile rocket. Right. And some fuel. Yeah. And yeah. and what was it? You know, a thousand if that gone. Just like that.
1: No, there were less than four hundred and fifty.
0: There were less than four hundred and fifty. Yeah. yeah. I you you know, you're you're on to something there. I think mm-hmm. the Commonwealth might have been able to hold up under that kind of pressure.
1: Yeah. I would I hope.
0: So. I would hope.
1: Well, I mean, if they can't, then I mean really what's what's the Commonwealth anyway?
0: Yeah. 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 You're right there. So that's the androids. Uh, I also wanted to touch on a little bit of an AI thing, and that is the communication device that you alluded to earlier. Yeah. With uh, Trilorn. Trilorn, yeah. Yeah. An AI response program that is given the data for the mission that they have sent Dylan on Mm -hmm. uh, that Dylan can now interact with. And I'm wondering, how is this more beneficial than like a folder or a packet of data sent that he can review before going to the system?
1: Um, short answer. Hmm. It's not. Yeah. Um, long answer. Actually, but my note that I have written down here is um, Trilorn really sucks. <laughs> As a hologram. Yeah, as, a, as but, an AI communication but device, it's programmed according to the actual Trilorn. I have to imagine. True. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it, it. Maybe that's another discussion,
0: but <laughs> probably. What What did you think about this as a concept? An AI interaction device or communication
1: device. It's It's, it's a novelty. It's cute, you know. Mm-hmm. The the practicality, um, I, I'm not really sure exactly what there is, I mean, other than just to be able to have that sense of personal communication with somebody that you're not actually able to have personal communication with because you're so far out in the black or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do they have subspace? Do we talk about subspace communication in this universe? Not really. I, I don't know. Everything, so,
0: because it, it, well, there for a while, they were having to pick up their mail every time they popped in at a drift. So, yeah,
1: so I mean, even communication it seems like it goes light speed. Yeah. So, um, when did they get this message? Was this part of the retrofit too?
0: I, I, I assumed what? it came in at the same time, yeah. Okay. So, I'm with you. It's an it's a great concept, an interesting novelty to see it on screen, but the practicality of it seems a bit lacking mm-hmm. when, in fact, you could just do a full briefing and then send your soldier out to the mission uh-huh. with all the information for him already there.
1: Well, especially when you consider that in order for him to get the information, Dylan has to probe this thing yeah. and ask questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, that right he has there, to treat it like a bad Starfleet admiral. That's an incredible <laughs> That's an incredible waste of time. Yes. Like if you just had a flexi that said, this is where we're sending you. This is what you got to do. These are the dangers inherent in this mission. Mm-hmm. But instead he has to fish for these answers. Yeah. From a hologram. Yeah, no doubt. Pre-programmed the- with the answers. Why can't he just push play? And here so he- if we're going to do the hologram. Just have an actual recorded hologram. <laughs> yes. Yes. Try Lauren. That just says, here's the mission, here's where you're going, here are the dangers inherent with this mission. I mean, it's not hard.
0: And I th- and I think what we're recognizing in this is the fact that it is an AI-controlled response program. Mm-hmm. AI-controlled. Yeah. And therefore, it acts cagey. Dylan has to pry it, and he still doesn't get straight answers out of it. AI's AI bad. I think this oh, yeah. ultimately is what we're coming down to again. Right, yeah.
1: So... Deus Ex Harper. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're being tied down by this this uh, gravity thing. This thing is sucking all the energy out of all every ship that comes by. Uh, the Maru was trapped on the surface of this moon. Hey, lucky for them, Harper made this modification. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. It worked out. why was this not cleared with anyone? <laughs> this is Becca's ship, right?
0: Yes. So, it, this seems like a major modification.
1: I, you know, there seems to, there needs to be a conversation. Hey, Becca, do you mind if I install a captain's yacht? on
0: the <laughs> Captain, nice reference. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. This, um, he would have obviously had to spend many, many hours on the Eureka yeah. Mar. And at the rate that this ship goes out on regular missions, I'm just, I don't see how Harper would have had the time to make all of these conversions.
1: No. And Dylan even, he touches on that. Yeah. I, I think, I think Dylan is supposed to be the touchstone for the audience of saying, Hey, wait a minute. How, how did you do that? Yeah. Cause Dylan's, he's like, how do you find the time to do all these things? Right. Clearly it, it, he's not doing his job. Right. <laughs> yeah. This, this goes back to the first scene where, you know, he only half does jobs. Because right. he has to go run off and do something else more fun.
0: I think Dylan probably needs to ask the question, How much am I paying you?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: because you're not doing the things that I'm paying you to do. Yeah. But it worked out for this particular instance. I, I almost stopped and, and said, Well, maybe he did it between seasons three and four, but season three and four, there's no time in between those no, two episodes. So I really
1: got yeah, I really got the impression that this was done during the retrofit. Okay. Even still, I don't understand. Okay, maybe just for the dramatic effect. We as the audience don't know about this thing, so we can't reveal it until it's time to reveal it. Yeah. Well, we can't do that if the rest of the crew all knows about it too and they're talking about it and like, oh, hey, let's use the thing that we just set up on here that we all agreed was a good idea. Yeah. (laughs) No, it has to be a surprise. (laughs) Right. Harper didn't tell anybody about this? I, I don't know. I'm having a hard time
0: buying this. I, I'm sitting here thinking, but but now that I'm thinking back on it, did it seem like Becca knew Becca knew this modification had been done.
1: I don't I really don't think so. You don't think so? No, uh uh-uh. uh. Okay. And I wanna know what's going on at the space dock where they're just like, You wanna do what? <laughs> okay. Um I mean can I see your registration, your title? Do you, this is your boat, right? I mean,
0: you are authorized to do this, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then they take one look at it and they're like, it's going to take months just to re re, uh, rehabilitate the rust spots. <laughs> we're going to need, we're going to need hundreds of gallons of rustoleum alone.
1: Yeah. Just to even
0: start on this thing.
1: So, uh, Hey, Ethan, I'm not sure. Let's, here's one last thing I want to to pick on real quick. And I don't know if this is a production thing or if this is a geology thing. Help me decide. Okay. All right. Um, hey, we get Trance for a little bit. And she lets them know that this moon is coming apart. Yeah. Okay, you got to get off of there now because it is collapsing right now as we speak. So they're moving. Just hearing that description about what this moon is doing, I would expect to see a little bit more seismic activity. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. What did she maybe, say? Maybe the... some fissures. Maybe some some eruptions. Just some earthquakes. I. Yeah. There's a little jolt here and there. Doesn't do it for me. When we're talking about a.
0: A and celestial
1: body that completely is. cracking apart. Yeah, yeah,
0: no, I, I'm with you. I'm okay. with you. Um, there again, something I I I want to say something, but we ne- really should save it for a little bit later. Well, we've had our fun, Ryan, and uh, we've we've gotten a chance to be a little bit silly again, and that feels good, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Let's move on to some a little bit more of the the meteor points of uh of the story that we got here. And waking the tyrant's device. Uh, the first thing I wanted to bring up is something that you actually had already just discussed a little bit here in our, our quick observations and hot takes. Um, well, you
1: know what? It seems like there should have been a, that's no moon joke somewhere in there. Ooh. Huh? Work that in and put it back in and post. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. Uh,
0: so the, uh, you, you talked a little bit about the, the captain's yacht on the Eureka Maru. And I wanted to bring that up a little bit more in discussion about what we learned about our universe. We okay. o- Obviously, we've talked about it a little bit. When did he have the time to do this? But I also wanted to ask you about what did you think about the shuttle itself? I mean, did it seem like it served its purpose within the plot?
1: Um, I would have to say it 100% served its purpose for the plot because I think had it not been for the plot, it would not have been. <laughs>
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm picking up what you're laying down there. Uh, All right. I actually think it was kind of a cool. It, it's a it's a trick. Uh-huh. You know, it's it's a it's a ploy within the plot, and it actually works for me because you know I'm a ship guy, and any time you can present a ship differently and do something different with it, I'm on board, mm-hmm. and I and I actually really like this. Now, the power source. Was a little wonky, in my opinion. Uh, an android placing her hand on a, on a control panel just doesn't seem like a, I don't know, robust enough interface for powering a ship. Especially one that's going to have a tunneling laser that's going to take yeah. you kilometers under the surface of a planet right. or moon, even though it was no moon.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, I, I was I was a little bit thrown off by that. Thoughts? What do you think you know, about the the whole power interface?
1: Maybe in two thousand three, two thousand four, when this ep- whenever this aired, um, maybe they were actually being a little bit far sighted. Okay, and and, and I, I would have to give them props for that because we kind of we really do the re- the exact reverse of this now because in this episode, what we have is we have um, an android powering something by means of a a pad right okay now what we have is we have something powering an android by means of setting it on a pad so <laughs> yeah you know yeah it, i, I it, see your it, little it's, it's
0: it's inverted I li, but it's I, I like what you're so going.
1: far-fetched yeah I, I
0: i picked that up yeah uh interesting observation i, I like yeah. that now uh, something else that you're we got that was new on the Eureka, Eureka Maru. Did you notice the lift slash airlock thing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Man, um,
0: I, I I like that. Especially when you're trying to get back in the Maru during a firefight. Yeah. I mean, it's handy. You just mm-hmm. walk up to it. The door shuts. You know, things ping off the outside of it. And then you, you get lifted back up into the Maru.
1: Yeah. It seems a bit bulky to me.
0: Yeah, it makes the nose of the thing a bit front heavy. And I'm wondering, where does that thing store when you got a shuttle up there now too? Mm -hmm. it's it there's a little bit of a Tardis effect going on, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it must be a lot bigger on the inside than what we're seeing on the outside.
1: Yeah, um, to address your first point about the weight, I think the vast majority of the problem for the Maru, weight is not a problem
0: <laughs> right. when they're in space. Yeah.
1: Um, it only presents itself as a problem on the rare occasions when they do land mm-hmm. on a surface. Okay. Um, in which case, I guess you got to be mindful of that. There's a lot of extra weight on the nose now. True. Um, as far as to two objects being able to occupy the same time and space. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. There's a problem there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: Anyway, that's what I had on the the Eureka Maru. We had a couple of things presented here that I
1: just wanted to bring attention
0: to since that seems to be the secondary ship that we spend a lot of time on and with.
1: Yeah. And, and I'm going to go ahead and back you up too. I do like the shuttle. Okay. I think the introduction of the shuttle was a little lame.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, I do agree the with that just a bit. The circumstances
1: surrounding the introduction, I should say. Yeah. He didn't do that without anyone noticing. All right. Go <laughs> ahead. T- tell, tell us to move on. Uh, let, let's move on. Let's move
0: on. Uh, characters.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I have, Let's. can we start with Molly?
0: Let's go with Molly.
1: Okay. I'm going to go ahead and start and wrap up. Molly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So it's one shot this thing. <laughs> yep. At the end, uh, when he offers her the spot on the Andromeda, his reasoning is because um, he says Molly feels like it feels like she's part of the crew. My question is I have it written down. Let's see. Does it feel like Molly is part of the team? I don't think so. We've seen her briefly twice. Dylan seems to be a lot closer to her than we are. Why? I'm not sure. It seems like a very superficial attraction. Um, you know, when you have a good romance story, the idea is you, you need to write it and present it in a way so that the viewers feel involved in the relationship, right? You... You hurt with them, you rejoice with them, and you you root for that relationship to happen. And then when something bad happens, you feel it, right? Mm-hmm. As if it was your own life. Yes. Not to that extent, but that's on a minor scale. That's what you want, right? You feel that.
0: In a well-written character. Yeah. Yeah. You'll feel it. Right. Yeah. We don't get that here.
1: No, no, we didn't get that in lava and rockets and we don't get
0: it here. (laughs) You're right. Yeah. Yeah. We went back to that well and it was dry. Um, So she does mention early on, uh, it's kind of hard to pick up where we left off when you haven't communicated with me at all in the last two and a half years or however long it was. And Dylan's like, yeah, no, I I didn't.
1: And in her defense, we said the same thing.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right but then it's like immediately she starts the flirtation and the turning it back on. And of course, Dylan being the boy scout that he is can't help, but (laughs) okay, you know, and it's just, uh, it, it, I'm sorry. This is a terrible character. (laughs) And we've said that in lava and rockets and we got to revisit it again. And there it is.
1: Yeah. It's, I don't, I don't believe... What was uh, Sarah, right? Yes. Sarah. Sarah and Dylan, that felt real. You can see that relationship, even though we only see Sarah very, very briefly. It, we as the viewers, we believe that story. There
0: was power there. There was yeah. power in that relationship. Yeah. You be- and, and, yeah, and yeah, you believed was,
1: it. There was deep emotion with both of them. Yeah. And even though we didn't see the whole thing develop, they give us enough to where we can kind of create that backstory in our minds. And, and we do, we, it's a, it's a love story that is believable. Yeah. Cause I, I, I want to make that point because I want, I don't, I want to make it clear that I'm not just poo pooing love stories in Andromeda. <laughs> yes. It's like, no, I don't want any romance. I just want action and shooting. Wah. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that they don't develop this with Molly. At all. They are in love with each other because the script said they're in love with each other.
0: Yeah. I
1: don't believe it. I don't think Dylan really believes it.
0: Yeah. Well, you make an excellent point. We've had a good example of a powerful, meaningful relationship. And then we have this. Yeah. From Lava and Rockets now regurgitated in waking the tyrant's device. And it's at the end of both of those episodes, when they're making googly eyes to each other at the end of each episode, you're like, all right, kids get out of your system and then separate, go, yeah. go your separate ways. <laughs> and right. and that is very much how I feel at the end of this episode. So yeah, there's no, there's nothing there to hang your hat on as far as uh, a, a true ro- romance. Mm-hmm.
1: So, so why did Dylan ask her to stay? did did he really want her to stay because he there's something there or is it just like hey i'm pretty you're pretty
0: you're asking questions that at that point in the episode i'm already tuned out so i, I don't know okay. why he asked
1: well that's good because it was the very last scene <laughs> right <laughs>
0: yeah yeah the moon had blown up uh mm-hmm. The day was saved, so you know mm-hmm. the, the the lovey stuff. I I was already I was already blanking on that.
1: Okay, really, all that was that scene was just, um, let's figure out how to not keep these two together for next week. Yeah, because yeah. what's the what was the actress's name?
0: Uh, Kristen Lehman.
1: Kristen Lena. Yeah, we're not hiring you for next week. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. We've we've got recurring characters we're bringing in later, not you. Mm-hmm. So
1: right, and we don't want to make Dylan look bad again by saying, "Well, big gulp, huh? <laughs> See you later." Right,
0: <laughs> right, yeah. So this was the basically the only thing they could do. Right. Um, and, and and you know what? She 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 gave herself the great out there at the end because didn't she say she graduated from the academy and the whole reason she was there, she was inspired by Dylan to leave. She was inspired to leave and live her own life, you know? So Mm -hmm. there you go. You know, no hard feelings. Right. Uh, let's drop her off at the next drift and she can catch a ride home. Mm -hmm. Croton. Let's talk about Croton. Okay. You got any notes on him?
1: Um, besides my anti-Croton joke.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, which was good. That was a good one
1: thank you uh no specific notes but i know that there's a lot to talk
0: about yeah there is i mean okay. i'll just i'll just do my rundown of it that i've got here ai created to destroy all organics designed the magog worldship. half human it's hard to explain why that the croton copy copies go down so easily but um yeah why wouldn't they make them as resilient as the original
1: yeah or as resilient
0: as Romney even yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, able to take multiple shots and just keep regenerating. Yeah. yeah, why wouldn't you put that technology in? But at the at the very least, this was an interesting foil, I thought, mm-hmm. and setting up what could possibly be a great villain going forward. I mean, he does escape the exploding uh, world ship moon. So they don't don't they say that he actually yeah yeah he he makes his way to the correct. Uh, to the correct slipstreams.
1: Right, yeah. Uh, we got him once, we'll get him again.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so they're, they're setting up something here that could be interesting going forward. It remains to be seen. It's obviously not this actor that's coming back to do that part. Or that part just may not ever show up again. What happens to Croton? <laughs> hmm. Does he go off? Does, does he does he slip off into another galaxy and uh, become Captain Croton? That would be awesome. Like I said, I want to see that series spun off. Right. But, you know.
1: Um, okay, I'm just going to let... Spoiler warning right here. Okay. I think I know what's um, coming. He does, he does choose the correct portal, um, but that portal actually took him straight to the Triangulum Galaxy. So, of course, now he's anti Croton. So that's why we don't see his name in the credits ever again.
0: Uh, that's mm-hmm. wow. I uh, you, you know you know what, you you've you've tied up all the loose ends. That's awesome. <laughs> well done. I, I applaud you over Zoom.
1: Oh, thank you. You used a little hand clap emoji. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let okay. me get that up there on the okay. screen for you to all see right. that. I know our listeners can't see this, but it it looks amazing and it makes me feel great. <laughs>
0: Uh, And then and then I I think it would be remiss if we didn't mention that Becca and Harper got to go on another treasure hunt. And they failed.
1: Yeah. Well, they didn't fail. They got what they were looking for. That's true. It was just worthless.
0: But the chips had failed. Yeah. The chips were down. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so they were unsuccessful. Yeah. Better luck next time.
1: Yeah. Nope. Can't let them win. Nope. Can't do that. Can't let Harper have the girl. Can't let. That can make any
0: money but i would like to say that as far as a this well i would i don't even consider this a b plot even though i you know we we spent a little bit of time on that um but as a kind of a sidebar type thing it actually worked for me this the planet actually was a neat concept in my opinion a bunch of derelicts that were drawn down there and their power cells had been drained out and whatever was on the ship was just stuck there I, I'm, you know, being the ship guy that I am. I love that concept, and then the idea of g- going scrounging around, treasure hunting on old derelict, hundreds of year old ships. That's really cool, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that they found, yeah, they found what they were looking for, but you know, they it 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 was scrambled.
1: Yeah, I would think that there would be something else of value. You would that think they could have gone looking for. I mean, yeah. they they focused on that. Pretty hard, pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, I guess maybe it's because they didn't have a lot of time and they were just flying by and happened to see that ship. Um, and they knew that was the cargo. So, yeah, I guess that kind of explains it. Yeah. And they didn't have
0: time. Yeah. No, no. I, I didn't have anything. I, I had less problems with that part of the plot than I did the love story between Molly and Dylan, yeah. to be perfectly honest. Yeah. But anyway, that's getting into what we thought about the episode. We haven't got there yet, Ryan. Oh, Uh, do you have a quote for us to consider?
1: Fear drives the universe. You will find dread among the galaxies. You will find horror in the heart of a star. You will find your fate in a heap of dust. And that is from the Mike Ditka of SEPTA (laughs) Horus.
0: Mike Ditka. Uh, I may not be saying that right. No, probably not.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, let's see, the diktat of yes. Septa Parisis. Commonwealth Year 9015.
0: Now, that's the planet that we're on, actually on, or the moon that mm-hmm. we're actually on for this, aren't we? Interesting. Well, um, I'll go first here. Uh, just my thought on the quote, uh, you will find horror in the heart of a star. Uh, it's not a star, it's a it's a planet, but it uh, seems a little on the nose, because what could be more horrible than a moon that can split apart and present a world ship with, you know, laser beams that can fire at you. Right. Seems, seems pretty horrible.
1: Um, this, yeah, this actually is the moon of the planet. This septa, Horisis, which is the moon. The, the planet is Perlis Mott. Ah, okay. So, but still same difference, right? Yeah. That doesn't change the fact. Um,
0: still sounds like something you can contract.
1: Yes. Yeah. Perla's Mott. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can get that too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Happ- happens in wetter climates, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, when you go south of the equator, you just get your shots. Yep. Um, so uh, yeah, fear drives the universe. Um, I mean, this is uh, when I, I forget where we are in the timeline as far as Commonwealth here, yeah, uh, as compared to where we are in the story but this is the this is somebody who was occupying septa and we don't see anyone on this planet now other than croton and these this has been building here now apparently for hundreds of years right yeah. so I think it's safe to surmise without looking directly at the timeline and if I'm wrong I'm sure One of our listeners, I welcome an email to let me know about this because I didn't do my homework and so bad on me. So this was a long time ago. Did they know something was going on?
0: In a triangular galaxy far, far away. (laughs) Just had to. Uh,
1: Yeah, so did they know something was going on? Was this something that was in the works that prompted this quote? Well,
0: let's try and suss this out. What was the year again? 90-15. 90-15, The ninety
1: fifteen.
0: Ninety fifteen. Okay, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this is before definitely before the fall. And so yeah, maybe they saw this coming. Maybe there were because, rumblings of things happening.
1: Yeah. Apparently Croton has been at this now for four hundred years.
0: Well yeah. He was what, five hundred years old is what they said. Something to that effect.
1: Yeah. And I think their their first um the first time that they that they really knew about him, I believe, was 400 years ago. Okay. When he caused some kind of chaos on M5. Yeah. And then Dylan made some reference to something that I swore he said "Locks on a Troy. <laughs> but I checked the script, and he did not say "Locks on a that. Troy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, anyway, it, it's an interesting quote because it's something that is going on directly. It ties into the moon that we all of our action takes place on this moon. Yeah. And this was a long time ago that this quote was made. And I, it kind of does stir the imagination a little bit as to what was going on to, to prompt this quote being said. Yeah. Um, You know, maybe I'll sit down and and write a fanfic. I'll do that next week since I don't have to write the (laughs) summary. Okay. You do next week. You do a summary. I've got summary. I'll I'll read my my fanfic.
0: That sounds, that sounds great. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I, and I, you know, we are laughing, but that is a great point that you're making. I like that, that this didn't just happen in a vacuum. This would have affected a culture or a people that would have inhabited that area. And so, yeah, I, I like what you're, I like what you're saying there. That the, these are, this is the voice of the people that were affected by what Croton is doing inside of this planet, or yeah. inside of this moon. So yeah, that is that is pretty awesome. That actually makes this quote a li- even just a little bit better, rather than just being on the nose, as I mm-hmm. expressed.
1: And I mean, if we have this quote, then apparently this is part of the Commonwealth knowledge. Yeah. Um, I mean... I don't know if we can assume that, but I'm going to go ahead and take
0: that. Well, off. I think we we had talked about this before. I think at some point, all of these quotes are something that's recorded in the, uh, all systems university library. Yeah. Uh, did we allude to something to that effect?
1: Yeah. I think most of them. Yeah. Unless it's something from the future.
0: Right. Which we're yeah. just, we're assuming that the library still exists in the future and has that archived. Yeah. Anyway.
1: Um, Yeah, I kind of wonder if there is any other folklore about what went down in this system. If we have this, then why don't we have any other information about the fall of the civilizations? Um, It seemed like that could have been something interesting that uh, Rami could have uh, expositioned. Yeah,
0: if we'd put enough thought into that story, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, the only thing we get is just the legend of the treasures.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, very good. Uh, Interesting quote. But moving on from that, we come down to the crux of the matter. Ryan, waking the tyrant's device. Did it wake anything within you? What did you think about this episode?
1: You know, a lot of times when we get to this part, what I do is I kind of him haw and I dance around. And then... um, kind of take a little bit getting to the point and repeat a lot of the points that I had already made, uh, throughout the recording of this broadcast, you know, like maybe touching a little bit on the Molly deal situation. Um, and how I didn't really care about that. The, uh, what I like to call the Deus ex Harper, um, with the shuttle situation, but well, we already talked about that. So there's really not need to bring that up again. Um, And just a lot of these things we talked about, I'm not going to do that again. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to go ahead and just get straight to the point. I was pleasantly surprised by this episode because as soon as I saw Molly, I said, Oh crap, here we go. (laughs) And I didn't like the episode. Hadn't even finished watching it. And I didn't like it. Um, Interestingly, you know, it, there's a lot that went on in this episode that it seems like it's pretty big. So you would think that I would have remembered this episode well from my previous watches. I didn't remember this episode at all. Hmm. And I don't know why. Because I, I enjoyed the episode for the most part. There were a few th- parts of it that I thought were, were weak, you know. Let's just the love story, the the non love story. Okay, whatever. Um, but I think there were still a lot of interesting ideas that were presented about this this moon, um, the nature of it itself, the fact that it was something that was it was created the moon itself was created, or was it just a moon that existed and they hollowed it out and found a way to do that without it collapsing? I don't know how you do that, but, you know, this, this guy is the, um, the, the great engineer. Croton is. So he's able to do that. What else has Croton been able to do? He, he designed the world ship. We have an origin story for the world ship now, besides just the Abyss. Um, where did Croton come from? Was he created by the Abyss? I think so. I, 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 he's definitely controlled by the Abyss. Yeah, yeah we um, can de- definitely tell he, that. And he's, he's sent with the mission to destroy all organics. Who else wants to destroy all organics? The Abyss. The Abyss, yeah. Um, so why make him half organic? I, okay, I don't know. That doesn't make <laughs> sense. It doesn't compute. But still... Yeah, I guess, I don't know. Um, I, I was going to say maybe that way he can still navigate Slipstream, except that he can't. Um, <laughs> I think that was a hole in the story there, because we know that you don't have to be completely 100% organic. If you remember uh, the mathematics of tears. Uh, I don't,
0: I just remember some of its parts where they have brains in a jar, and that's what it does the That's what I more. meant. Okay.
1: That's what I meant. Okay. Um, it doesn't have to be the the whole being as an organic and just just throw a couple of neurons in there <laughs> and suddenly yeah. you can navigate your slipstream, right? Get your neurons Um, here. <laughs> um But anyway, yeah, I, and I knew that she was going to be in this episode beforehand, before I started watching it, so I was not looking forward to watching it. It's not really about her it's not about Dylan and Molly It's just, that's a thing that happens in the story. Um, it's just a thing that's distracting that takes up some time that could have been used for something better. But, uh, you know, I don't know. So was the treasure hunt. I don't know. So (laughs) it's, it's what happens sometimes when you try to to mix in other plots and, and old characters that never meant anything to anybody before and still don't. Um, I don't care. I don't care about any of that. I actually found myself being somewhat, I'm going to say somewhat entertained by this episode and I did enjoy it. There we go. Yep. That's it. Okay. Okay. I had made a note
0: about Dylan and Rami and their interaction. We we talked about that a little bit very early on and I said I was going to put a pen in it or, or put pen to paper actually. Yeah. And now feels like a good time for me to bring this up. You had mentioned that it felt like the interaction between Dylan and Rami didn't make sense. It, it wasn't them, right? It is kind of what you were alluding to. Mm-hmm. And I think my answer to that is look at the director and the writer, writers for this episode, they're new. And so I feel like there's a little bit of, uh, there's some memory loss there because new writers have written these characters and a new director is coming in and is, it's all new to them. And I feel like this interaction kind of gets to the heart of what's happening with the production. You got, you got brand new people coming in and there's a new face and, and and new ideas being presented. And I think we're just recognizing that eh, there's a little bit of a bump in the road as far as uh, how our characters are interacting there, because I'm with you. I don't see Dylan and Rami really interacting the way they did in that sequence that you talked about. It didn't really feel like them. And there are several instances throughout this episode where it just doesn't feel like the drama that I've gotten over the last or the previous three seasons. Um, there's You said it again, there's a lot of big ideas that's being thrown at us here, and there's this huge, could be an, a massive problem for the Commonwealth that's you know about to be unleashed here, and it just does not feel like you can give this a good enough treatment in a 42-minute episode, especially when you've got to devote time to the flirtation between Dylan and Molly Noguchi. And so to me, you're right. There's a lot of great ideas here, a lot of good concepts, but I think they ran out of budget and they ran out of time and they forgot the scope of the show that they were making and could not execute it properly. And so for me, while there are some interesting things within this episode and some great ideas, I'm saddened that I don't think we're going to see Croton again. And this whole idea of the, the world ship and the focus beam and everything and the droid army, Android army, all of these things would have been cool to carry forward and could have fueled further stories. But no, we just, we took care of all of it here in this 42 minute episode. And we tried to pack a love story in on top of it. And for me, I'm just, I'm, I put my hands up and I'm done. I'm done. I'm, and, and so by the time we get to this episode yeah there was some cool stuff out there but ultimately this thing just doesn't hit on all 8 cylinders for me it, it i give it i give it 6 cylinders mm-hmm. but not the full 8 cylinder treatment uh, it it just didn't scratch the itch that i wanted
1: scratched right well i guess that maybe there's something to be said about expectation because you say you're going to give it 6 cylinders yeah I if I had calling it sights, a, Yeah, I thought this was going to be like a two-stroke engine. So <laughs> what we got. Yeah. You know, I was I was pleasantly surprised and that's really why uh, and, and I said that to you. I didn't say I loved this episode. I yeah. thought it was it was pretty good, you know. Yeah. Pretty pretty pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah.
0: I I think you it... <sighs> If you take the love story equation out of it and you just make this an adventure for our Andromeda crew alone and, and and taking care of this big, big issue in 42 minutes, I probably would have been a lot more receptive to that. Yeah. But I I'm really having a hard time with Lava and Rockets 2.0. I mean, it's just yeah. that whole thing is still it colors my whole impression of the rest of this episode.
1: Yeah. Okay, so let me ask you this. What if we, instead of having Molly down there, let's go ahead and send Trance down. And the whole adventure that Dylan and Molly go on, well, let's make that be Dylan and Trance.
0: Oh, this becomes a much better episode, in my opinion. Yeah, because Trance gets to be cryptic and drop a little bit, maybe a little more information for Dylan, uh, alluding to the abyss or you know the broader the broader picture. Yeah, this would be a better episode. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. But it's not. I I almost kind of wonder, this is just me speculating here. But I almost kind of wonder if that's how this show was originally drafted. And then for some reason, the production team got together and say, hey, remember that actress? What was her name again? Kristen Lehman. Let's bring her back. Yeah. (laughs) For an episode. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll let's give her Francis part. What are we going to have Trance do? Nothing.
0: Yeah, just keep her on the ship. Yeah. Yeah, in, it's speculation, but it uh, I could see that being a thing. Hmm. Not to say that it is, but it, it's a, it, it could have been could have been
1: a possibility. Yeah. No, and I and I do I, I totally just made that up. So, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that's exactly what happened.
0: Yeah. So, just a little disclaimer: that's speculation on our part.
1: That is totally speculation. Yeah. And I guarantee it's what happened. Can I do that? Can I say that? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay. All right, Ethan, but enough of that. We know what you think. We know what I think. I want to know what the listeners think. Ethan, do you want to know what the listeners think?
0: I do want to know what the listeners think.
1: Ethan, would you mind telling me, because I don't know, if somebody like the listeners wanted to get a hold of us and let us know what they thought about our coverage of this episode or their own thoughts on this episode or any other episode of Andromeda, or if they just want to drop us a line and say, hi, how might someone do such a thing?
0: They can send an email to drivebackthenightpodcast at gmail.com.
1: That's right. And they can also find us on Facebook and Twitter using the handle at AndromedaPod on both of those locations. And people have done so, and we appreciate those who have reached out to us. We are also on Podbean. That is our home. If you want to find any episode of drive back the night that we have ever recorded that's where you're going to find it andromedaseries.podbean.com and we do have a tip jar there on the side of the screen if you should just happen to feel so inclined to uh, contribute to our effort here
0: if you listen to us on itunes definitely give us a star rating and review we certainly appreciate that you can find us on spotify and
1: basic
0: (laughs) uh, is is it not iTunes anymore it's Apple Podcasts that's right that's right thank you for correcting me on that we are on Spotify you can find us there and really we're on more uh, Podbean catchers out there on in the internets than I can keep track of now so you know anywhere where you like to find uh, podcasts you might be able to find us there so just
1: take a look good thanks to our big friend doug anderson for giving us his voice once again for the opening quote of this episode we are an age of geek check them out ageofgeek.podbean.com um they've been keeping the content going throughout this long night of pandamania um hey ethan what are you laughing at right now (laughs) that was brilliant pandamania i like it (laughs) ethan let me ask you a question. Okay. Are you a gambling man? Yeah, not typically. Not typically. All right. So what if I bet you that you were going to be back here again for the next episode?
0: I'd take a dozen to one odds on
1: that. All right. How about double or nothings? I'll take you up on it. All right. We'll see you next time for double or nothings.
0: I was really hoping you were going to do something like a, I don't know how, but I'm going to get you to bet on that before the end of the day, before the next recording.
1: Oh, just one Dumb and Dumber reference per episode. Yeah. please. <laughs> <laughs>